Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Flipping the Script, Reflections on Labor Day Weekend. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, September 6, 2015. The first weekend in September always means three things for my family. My son's birthday, the first football game of the season at Stanford University, and Labor Day. It's a fun weekend for us as we sign off of summer and think about the fall. For most people, I suspect, Labor Day is just another holiday with barbecues, parades, and back-to-school sales events. This year, though, I'm reflecting more on why the United States declared Labor Day a federal holiday back in 1894, and on the many contributions of workers to our country that we rightly honor this week. Workers like Richard, whom we met this summer while hiking in Colorado. Richard is a machinist from Erie, Pennsylvania. He joked that he never went to college until he went as an instructor to teach tool and die making. Richard also represents the disruptions in our economy caused by technology. 3D printers will surely replace machinists like him. This Labor Day I've thought about my own work experiences growing up. In high school, a tobacco farmer in our church paid me a dollar an hour to help in his fields. I thought I was rich. I worked two grunt jobs on construction crews, perfect for my skill level. One summer I painted houses, and another one I worked in a textile plant. My father got me two jobs, both on the graveyard shift from midnight to 8 a.m. One was driving a forklift in the plant he managed, and then clerking at his 7-Eleven convenience store, where every night I swept the parking lot and mopped the floor at 3 a.m. In seminary, I worked at UPS. In my wallet, I still have my honorary withdrawal and membership cards from the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Local Union number 705. Finally, I also worked in a men's clothing store, which sounds easy enough, that is, if you've never had a job where you had to stand on your feet eight hours a day. Labor Day provides an opportunity to flip the script. It reminds us that our national narratives are written mainly by the wealthy and the powerful. Most history is written from above by and about presidents, generals, their wars, peace treaties, and the like. People like George Washington, the richest person in America in his day. The radical historian and lovable leftist Howard Zinn, 1922-2010, turns this perspective upside down in his marvelous book, A People's History of the United States, published back in 1980. Zinn writes American history from below. He spoke from personal experience, having grown up in the slums of Brooklyn as the son of two immigrant factory workers. After high school, he worked for three years in the shipyards. 
After serving in the Air Force, he completed his doctorate in history at Columbia University. From 1956 to 1963, he taught at Spelman College, the first historically black female institution of higher education. And then from 1964 until 1988, he was a professor of political science at Boston University. Among his more than 30 books, A People's History is his best-known work, having sold more than a million copies. It's a perfect read for Labor Day, except, I have to admit, for its 700-page length. Zinn shows how our history, our politics, and our economy all look very different from the perspective of a coal miner, a black slave, an immigrant laborer, a factory worker, or a woman who for a long time couldn't vote, own property, pursue education, or advance in employment. The Pulitzer Prize-winning author David Shipler says that people like this are forgotten to most of us. In his book, The Working Poor, Invisible in America, he describes life for the millions of Americans who live in the shadow of prosperity, in the twilight between poverty and well-being. With few exceptions, these people don't have the luxury of rage. They have to work. <clears throat> In Nickel and Dimed, Not Getting By in America, Barbara Ehrenreich describes her experiences as an undercover minimum wage worker. She worked as a waitress in Florida, a cleaning lady and nursing home assistant in Maine, and at a Walmart in Minnesota. Yes, it's an artificial experiment, but it's nonetheless revealing. And then there's Gabriel Thompson's experiment in immersive journalism, focused on the 10 million immigrant laborers in our country. In his book, Working in the Shadows, he describes the three jobs he took as an undercover journalist. In Yuma, Arizona, about 20 miles from the Mexican border, he was a lettuce picker. Working for Dole at 37 cents an hour, on most crews, each cutter harvests six heads of lettuce each minute, or 360 an hour. At this pace, a farm worker earning an hourly wage of 37 cents is paid two cents per head. In Russellville, Alabama, Thompson worked the 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. shift at the Pilgrim Pride poultry plant. Pilgrim processes 1.5 million chickens per week and pays its workers about 80 cents an hour. Thompson had wanted to work on the deboning line where chickens zoom by at 38 birds per minute. Instead, he dumped 70 pound tubs of meat and ripped apart chicken breasts with his hands. He writes, in a single shift, I could be asked to tear through more than 7,000 chicken breasts or lift, carry, and dump more than 30 tons of meat. And then finally, back in his hometown of New York City, Thompson worked for two days at a flower shop before being fired. He then worked as a bicycle delivery boy at an upscale Mexican restaurant. As with his jobs cutting lettuce and slopping chicken, 
The immigrants who populate the back kitchens of many restaurants do punishing work at poverty wages. Schipler, Ehrenreich, and Thompson acknowledge that they are privileged people and that their journalistic experiences are far removed from real life as a true laborer. As Thompson says, for him, his project was an exhausting learning experience, but for his co-workers, it was their life. That's worth pondering this Labor Day weekend. For books this week, I review a title by Maya Angelou. It's called Maya Angelou, The Complete Poetry, New York Random House, 2015. This book is 308 pages. By the time that Maya Angelou died in 2014, at the age of 86, she had lived a remarkably rich life as an actress, singer, dancer, writer, director, producer, civil rights activist, and friend of the famous. She published 38 books, including picture books, children's books, and cookbooks. But most people knew her from her seven autobiographies, especially I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, published in 1969. Angelou published 11 books of poetry, which are collected here in a single volume, thus making it what the dust jacket calls the definitive compendium of her complete poetry. Many of the poems exemplify the two themes for which Angelou was well known. Growing up African-American in the Deep South, and secondly, celebrating womanhood. At least two of the poems are specifically Christian, one called Just Like Job, and another Thank You, Lord. But perhaps more importantly, beyond these three broad categories, Angelou tapped into the universal theme of being human, as with her poem called Human Family. In that poem, she affirms that despite our many and significant differences, quote, we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. I have only one complaint with this volume. It could have been so much better with a critical overview of Angelou's life and work, some sort of forward, introduction, or afterward to put these in context. But there's nothing at all along these lines. It's a conspicuous lacuna in an otherwise wonderful volume. Once again, the title, Maya Angelou, The Complete Poetry. For movies this week, I review a title called White Like Me, from 2015. It's actually a documentary film on YouTube. <clears throat> a few days before I watched this 68-minute documentary by Tim Wise on YouTube, Honda Motor Company agreed to pay a $24 million fine for lending practices that charge minority people 
higher interest rates. Tim Wise, born in 1968, is probably the leading anti-racism educator activist in the country. Having spoken on more than a thousand high school and college campuses and conducted training for hundreds of schools, corporations, and law enforcement groups. Instead of focusing only on discrimination against blacks, Wise flips the narrative to explore what it means to be white. That is, the many and systematic ways that white privilege has been institutionalized in our country. This film is based on the 2011 book by Wise of the same title, White Like Me. Our church used it in an adult education forum to talk about race. For further material on this subject, I encourage you to see my 2014 essay for Black History Month, and especially the work of Michelle Alexander, The New Jim Crow, Gwen Eiffel, The Breakthrough, Politics and Race in the Age of Obama, and then finally the book by Eugene Robinson, Disintegration, The Splintering of Black America. To watch this filmy film, just go to YouTube and Google White Like Me, a 68-minute documentary on white privilege. And finally, in conjunction with the new book of poetry by Maya Angelou, her poetry this week, we published one of her poems. It's called Touched by an Angel. We, unaccustomed to courage, exiles from delight, live coiled in shells of loneliness until love leaves its high holy temple and comes into our sight to liberate us into life. Love arrives and in its train come ecstasies, old memories of pleasure, ancient histories of pain. Yet, if we are bold, love strikes away the chains of fear from our souls. We are weaned from our timidity. In the flush of love's light, we dare be brave. And suddenly we see that love costs all we are and will ever be. Yet it is only love which sets us free. Maya Angelou, Touched by an Angel. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net. For Sunday, September 6, 2015, I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.